How the fuck are you, you sexy bastards? Welcome back to the Higher Training Podcast. If you are a new listener, thank you for listening. Please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoyed the podcast, give it a wee share to your story. Tell your mates about it. If you're a returning listener, thank you, you fucking legend. I've got a little mid-podcast giveaway for all of but specifically you ones that have been listening a while. Today I am joined by Hannah Murphy and Hannah is a personal trainer. She is an exercise rehabilitation specialist from the UK. She's mother of pets, meme master and we get chatting about a whole bunch of things ranging from pain, injury, jiu-jitsu, Vikings, the TV show and the people way back yonder. Flexibility training through strength training and we get into old school fat diets and methods of weight loss i hope you have a lovely fucking day keep those earpods in maybe get out for a wee walk maybe listen to this podcast while you're getting a bit of training in but whatever you're doing stay groovy boom and we're live thank you for coming on hannah uh, it's been it's been due a while we've been trying to get this one going but Things have been getting in the way, but it's finally happened. We can talk Vikings. We can talk uh, past past methods of uh, losing weight fast, which we'll get in a little bit. But first off, you you're a personal trainer. You you work in exercise rehabilitation, um, and it's that's an area that I I, I think is so valuable um, to be joined together. Personally, I I've had experience working with uh, in osteopaths clinics and working with physios and. I just haven't think having that link is so important. Um, what what made you want to get into um, that area? You know, exercise rehabilitation. Um, I actually found that I don't know. I I was helping people, and it was kind of the same goals. It was all weight loss, and this was at like early stages of my personal training career. And I thought, do you know what? I'd also like to help people move or get out of pain or rehabilitate whether it's from a sporting background or a general population just so I could go into other avenues first more than anything else I was kind of working with similar similar people similar goals but obviously now I've developed as a coach and I realized that it's not just weight loss and there's a lot of complexity to different people and it's the same in rehab there's a lot of different barriers and they're actually quite similar really the psychology of it mm. and uh which i had a friend uh, who's a coach also he he mentioned he he keeps uh repeating this phrase and it's stuck in my head he's like training his rehab would you agree with that do you know what at the start of the year i would have but sometimes it's not so uh i actually used to read against my i used to read stuff about uh like you know manual therapy and massage and it was stuff I already kind of knew only had certain effects and I thought that's it exercise is the be all and end all of rehab and then I realized that yes from a health perspective it's great but sometimes it's it depends on the condition but Mm. I would always go for active management first but especially some kind of chronic issues they're a lot more complex because obviously you've got the biopsychosocial model so i'd say exercise mostly kind of meets 
a couple of the criteria of that rather than all of it um so yeah it, and it's again it's the same depends on who so for an athlete yeah it's great but you know if um we're talking someone sedentary in the population a big barrier is going to be actually getting them to exercise in the first place 100 i i think that's between the two populations between athletes and like you know let's let's say sedentary people you know there's a it would like if you could get them to do exercise like as easily then maybe you could say that but for some yeah. people it's very hard like I've seen people getting like physios uh, or even friends have gone to physio being prescribed doing exercises and things like that and they don't end up doing them so then they have to go back for that manual therapy yeah, exactly and it's I wouldn't even say that manual therapy would be like the first solution I'd do I'd, I'd always go for active management but it's it's again it's trying to meet someone where they're at and explain that there may be pain but there's not necessarily a tissue damage so in acute scenarios in chronic scenarios um pain can kind of be very long lasting despite the fact that the healing process is kind of ended so that's what's complex if you're not if you're not watching this when we had our first uh, feature of a dog um <laughs> Is sneaking in the corner. My my dog's probably going to pop in at some stage as well. <laughs> gets in the way. He gets in the way. He loves his mom. Uh, um, but but pain. You mentioned pain. Uh, pain does not necessarily mean that the tissue is damaged, or it doesn't mean that something's broken or that something's massively wrong. Um, I think a lot of people try to avoid pain altogether when it comes to like you know maybe when they're coming back from most people that I would deal with in this front would be coming back from an injury in sports, you know, they're, they're, relu they're reluctant to train until they've gotten a full all clear. Um, would you believe that there's, they probably could still be doing a lot of these, well, obviously individual cases, you know, everything's individual, but do you think there's a big fear of loading whenever you're maybe getting physio? And this is where you then kind of looking at chronic pain, you've got fear avoidance of exercise, and actually, if we if we indicate if we if we believe that pain is an indicator of damage, that's going to prevent someone from doing exercise because what's painful may not necessarily be damaging, and it may stop them doing something even though it's not going to damage them. And there's a recent study that's actually shown that training into pain is better for re in most cases of rehab because it decreases your sensitivity of the central nervous system so you kind of chill out a little bit the pain pain is like i said it's just a certain part of it has to be if you're coming back from like let's take for example taking away from the athletic um uh, side of things but maybe somebody with lower back pain you know if you are taking somebody from having severe lower back pain to trying to get them out of pain there's probably going to be a lot of stumbling blocks and there will be pain along the it's almost guaranteed yeah. that pain will come back at some stage maybe a little bit less uh less severe maybe in short bouts um but if you're basing pain as your only like uh way of like let's say success then it would be it'd be a hard thing to to keep 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 going on because you know your motivation might stall you find that something people find hard yeah absolutely and we can kind of you can kind of get crippled and this big fear of not doing anything because everything's painful when actual fact it's more likely like a, uh, the world health organization their first form of treatment for low back pain is active 
management it is exercise but obviously if you've got someone who's terrified of moving because of this crippling pain it's how do we that then communicate that actually movement is safe movement is going to help you because you've got a lot of uh, dogmatic beliefs as well you know everyone knows someone who was bending over and the back went or they were deadlifting and the back went or they were they were at work and their back went so i love the one i love the one when they're like um this fella he'd left he'd left 200 kg this fella but he went and left it a light cattle bell and that was it you know (laughs) put that they'll put that injury down to that single event rather than looking at everything that influences injuries context it's important it's important with um like with, with doing the exercise rehab and then person training and and that's I think you probably have a wide base of people that you work with um so what type yeah. of people do you help uh it's actually such a range so um I'm working with a couple of jiu-jitsu guys at the minute mm. sports specific um i actually coach a couple of personal trainers and then in my kind of face-to-face day-to-day it's often women who have kind of got a long history of dieting um yo-yo dieting a lot of very restricted ideas about how nutrition and food should be and what exercise is so i work with a kind of very specific niche of women i'd say in my uh, personal training face-to-face business but then outside of that is quite different so it, it's good to work with a variety of people and feel competent enough to help all of them and i think that's one thing i try to do to uh, too quickly whenever i start pt is try and find us one niche you have to yeah. you have to work with a lot of different people to know like who you can help best um, exactly exactly i'm sure with all of those clients you have like a, a variety of goals that they have like i'd say like you, well i'm sure you can tell me what type of goals do those people have like it'd be interesting to hear the variety so, of your your, your uh, repertoire of coaching abilities what goals can you work towards <laughs> often with with women in the gym it is always starting as weight loss and then it becomes this kind of long-term journey and it's never-ending sometimes we set goals and sometimes we just go for enjoying the process uh, with my personal training co- coaching clients um it can be anything really it's really a mixed bag it can be sometimes helping them with their clients as, alongside their programming i mean maybe more for them to get an outsider perspective or to learn from me and then with the jujitsu it's just a great laugh it's let's strengthen these adductors and hamstrings and you know let's work into rotation which is really fun um, you, you like solving puzzles then basically is what i'm taking away from all this basically basically i like a challenge i like something that's interesting and i like to work with different people Mm. I, I would I would uh, I would be similar in that sense I would have like a few different branches of like people I work with I work with a lot of Gaelic football athletes went to my first Gaelic football training session last night in five years didn't tear a hammy so I was buzzing um, uh, well I hadn't really ran like that was my that was one of the things in the last six months I was like right I'm going to get back get myself prepared for going back in the pitch because 
I've coached GA athletes for like the last five, six years, and I'd be always talking about injury prevention. And I was like, right, this will be a little experiment, see how, how the methods kind of come along. Uh, I was doing it with the help of the coach as well. So I was like, right, I'm going to make sure I'm prepped for this. But where was I? Yeah, GA athletes is one kind of pocket that I would work with. Um, and then I would kind of have some uh, women similar to yourself that have maybe came, came into fitness for weight loss and maybe tried like, Slimming World, Herbalife, all, all those type of methods, and then they kind of come to me. So we probably have kind of similar sort of sort of clients, which is interesting. And we both like jitsu. Yep, the jitsu. Um, but with uh, with jujitsu now, that's an interesting one to program for. Um, how do you go about solving solving uh, the, the the many challenges of trying to condition a jujitsu uh, athlete? It's actually quite interesting. So I do do a screen. I do do a, I get them in and I'll kind of look at things like muscular endurance, see what strength is like. Um, I'm actually doing a lot of work on kind of explosive hip movements with one of my guys at the minute. So we're doing really heavy hip thrusts, um, single legs. Obviously that mimics the shrimp. Um, Turkish get-ups it's, it's just a it's a, just a lot and I, I actually have got one of them on the Copenhagen protocol for adductors as well because none of them can really know how to use their adductors but obviously when you're getting in triangles and you're doing a lot of stuff like that it's, so it's kind of strengthening a lot of lower limb at the minute um mm. is a big focus and we're doing lots of endurance on the upper body lots of rows which is which is fun Mm. I, I I like I like the training for for uh, jujitsu. Like where I, before when I used to program for myself, and now when I have a coach program for me, it's interesting. It's like for myself, I would be quite flexible, so I've been working a lot on my end range strength because people have, like I'm able to escape out of like kimuras and all sorts, but just my range, like like yeah. I can hyperextend my elbow, so I'm like right, I should probably start getting strong in these zones so I can get from there and actually maybe get out of it. Yeah. Um, things like my, my neck I've had to train up as well because I've uh, I played front row in rugby and like would have got a lot of wear and tear in the neck and shoulders yeah from... we do a lot of neck work as well like head rolls mm. deep neck flexors um, a lot a lot of that because you're literally you're isometrically using everything during training so and I think you know what I used to be that person I'd see someone doing like a neck exercise in the gym and I think what were they doing 100% I, I'd be like what are they doing and then I've like started getting into sports obviously with my degree and stuff and I thought wow I was so stupid like they were really smart mm. I remember seeing somebody do neck bridges before and I was like what is this this person's gonna hurt themselves and I was now I know that like you know if you train if your body, if you prepare your body for that movement, then it, 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 it like it might. There is always a possibility that you might injure yourself, but if you prepare yourself in a smart way, progressively overloaded, yeah. you can you can do those neck bridges, man. And I think we always think with stuff around the head and the neck and the back that it's we need to wrap it in cloth, cotton wool, but really it's a joint with ligaments, tendons, muscles. It's the same as any other joint. And if you come up against somebody in jiu-jitsu with a really strong neck that knows how to use it and they shoved their forehead into your face, it's not, it's a, it's one of the reasons why it's like, I actually want to get a strong neck so I can be the person dishing at that rather than taking it. Yeah, I, I've got <laughs> one of those. But yeah, with, with the end range and stuff, it, that's 
we do a lot of stuff like that and you know flexibility we're doing a lot of a lot of those things i've kind of gone through strength training for flexibility versus static stretching at the minute just because of kind of time constraints and you know these people they're training all the time but also they're working all the time so do they have can they fit in a massive static stretching protocol and is it really necessary mm, depends mm. I, I would uh yeah, it's always a uh, depends when it comes to them sort of questions i've dab i would still do bits of static stretching every now and then like but it's not like I'm like thinking it's a necessity. As you say, you can train your flexibility through through strength training if if done properly. Especially if you're looking for bang for your buck, it can be a lot. It can be yeah. a better better way to go. Especially if you're an athlete that's training three, four, five times a week plus. There's a lot already. of training Monday, Tuesday, off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday. So that's you know five days a week plus strength training plus your full time jobs. It's 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 a lot. So um yeah it's kind of what can we do what how can we be efficient really with our time and obviously then you've got to factor in recovery because that's huge mm. if you don't recover you're not going to build again uh, gain, gain the, the benefit of skill training you know that's one thing i always have to stress to athletes is that yeah you can want to do more work but if that work is taken away from the bigger things which is your skills in your sport, like um, maybe more specific movements or tactics related stuff. If you're playing in a team sport, what's the point? Absolutely. You know, it's a, it's an interesting conversation, but with um, one thing we were chatting about before was um, diets and, and, and diet culture and past, past methods of, of, as the Irish people would say, shifting the weight, you know, <laughs> um, you came up with some interesting, um, interesting examples of what people in the past have tried to use as methods of losing weight. There would be, let's say, the earlier versions of certain supplement companies, which I'm not going to name. Um, <laughs> what What is your most ridiculous one that you found? Tapeworms. <laughs> Tapeworms or cigarette smoking. So these were like adverts. They kind of started around the early 1900s. Uh, amphetamines were also advertised for weight loss so I think it's easy for us to look back now and see that and kind of laugh like I can't believe can't believe that you know people used to buy into that or I can't believe they got away with saying that but really when you look at today we've still got essentially like laxative teas on the shelves that people will buy into so again are we really that progressive okay we're not taking tapeworms but arguably these detox teas it's not like you've got a liver but um they're, they're essentially the same thing mm. i was walking in boots the other day and i looked at the the massive aisle of uh weight loss supplements and it seems to actually be getting bigger the, the yeah, actual yeah. The, the aisles and the claims that these companies make are getting more ridiculous. Um, it's it's just bizarre. you've even got you've got like different protein powders now. You've got a keto protein powder, and it's like I, I don't understand. Like, why why would you not just have protein powder? I think a lot. I think there's a disconnect there where people don't associate protein powder with protein as in protein they eat through food. You know, they have this thing that's that this mystical thing that you know. It's, it's better than eating food 
and you know you need a really specific one so whether it's a one for females or one for getting absolutely yeah. fucking massive or one for one for keto another example it's it, it's it's just bizarre um you know you've got these skinny sauces and you've got it's just there's <laughs> just a lot you know really that was a strong say yeah it, it, it's something that just gets over me daily and i'm just like oh when will this end and i don't think it it's it's never going to end really no no um it was it was a, an inter- i was reading up on just on the topic of historical diets and you know how people kind of viewed food in in the past and you know you seen the a lot of people started bringing up this idea of how the ancient forager diet would be like you know the best diet for us to kind of to, to kind of go on um i always think this is an interesting one people get into it and they get the they get the points down to a t but if you were to break then why maybe it mightn't be the best I feel sort of like diet. we're getting that we're not hunters and foragers anymore and we're not going through extreme periods of starvation. It's not feast or famine. We've literally got easy access to... You, you can get it delivered to your door. <laughs> so, you know, um, when people are talking hunters and gatherers and all this and this and this, they forget that, you know, times have kind of changed and yeah, you need, you need plants, you need this and you need that. But um, yeah, so they, you can kind of get dogmatic about it, but really we're not in start. We don't, we're not starving anymore. You know, we're not, we don't have that fear, that threat like we used to have. I think that also branches into, you know, a lot of people say, oh, how can we complain about our lives nowadays? You know, when ancient foragers, blah, 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 they had to run away from woolly mammoths or whatever the hell, and they'd hunt for their food. Would you, I would be of the opinion that they had a lot more of a simple life and did a lot lower number of stressors and that, and that would also impact like uh, things a lot. And people don't take that into consideration in my eyes. Would, would you agree with that? Absolutely. You know, um, they, they were very active as well. You know, now we've got huge barriers to physical activity. Literally, we've got so many, like choice, we've got lifestyle choices. They're, they are important to not take away personal responsibility and accountability. But these days, we've got job stressors, life stressors, social stressors, um, obviously, access to food access to healthcare, access to exercise they can be massive massive problems for people and then you know you've got on an individual level where all those other things as well and everybody's different so yeah before it would it would have been a lot simpler like yeah you might get eaten by a, a lion or a woolly mammoth or whatever but um you know you don't have to worry about hitting targets at work paying your mortgage feeding your children and well, Did you yeah. lock the door? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we like to we like to overcomplicate our lives. Uh, I think as humanity uh, grows, we're just going to have so much overcomplication. Yeah, and simplification of Man. certain things. Uh, have you ever seen? Um, oh, I can't remember the film now, but they're all on a spaceship. Wally, Wally. Yeah, where they're all on the spaceship and riding these things, like so they never have to walk or use the muscles ever. <laughs> uh, yeah one of my clients is, uh, works 
in the hospital and she she just believed we are going to become Wally. Um, but you know, you get robots now that can deliver your shopping to your door, like from the little local supermarket. They've tried that out. So really, oh, you know, um, everything's becoming more faster, more automated, and it kind of does take out. You know, everybody drives. Everybody drives. Or there's, you know, great access to public transport, so you don't really need to walk anywhere and think it, it, it is a problem it is modern living is is easy it's you know um getting to a to b but it's, it's a tough one it's a real tough one you think because of all these added stressors and as you say in modern living it means that we nearly have a, a, a massive need for having time to slow down and like uh, switch off from all this madness that we have to uh, put up it on a daily basis absolutely but how we do that is the problem because and again uh, you know like kind of looking at your self-care and stuff I think you know is self-care always just winding down or is it always having a hot bath or is it prioritizing tasks is it making sure you've got food tomorrow you know um there's a fine balance I think of what we think self-care is and what it actually is and you know how we turn off from those stressors you know is everybody's different for some people it's going to the pub at the weekend which then actually helps manage their stressors but in addition is causing a stressor so it's really it's just really complex what are some things that you do to to look after your, yourself when you're not feeling great mentally exercise <laughs> whether it's a walk or training or jujitsu why i wanted to actually get into jujitsu I've, I've been been looking into it for a while but that's also the social aspect so the social aspect of health um i get from jujitsu you know you, you train i always train on my own i always walk on my own and jujitsu is more of a social thing so that for me is unwinding or taking time out for myself um but then obviously I do have the cliche hot bath hair mask face mask shut the door candles lit but I would choose exercise over the hot bath to make me feel good because you can't really compare the two exercise does just make me feel so great I would agree with you in that front when it comes to the likes of jiu-jitsu and playing basketball and playing and playing football for myself I've kind of I don't I don't get that same feeling from training in the gym as much as I used to I yeah. don't know I, I I think it might just be a temporary thing but I find a lot more that like mental release let's say from doing the likes of jiu-jitsu like after I do jiu-jitsu I'm just fucking driving down the road buzzing you know, it's addictive. Yeah. You leave and you're like, mm -hmm. oh my goodness, I nailed this technique. And I think we're so used to just working in, you know, in the gym, it's up and down. But if you look at a lot of at a lot of powerlifters or strongmen, they're not like Steffi Cohen, for example, she's gone from powerlifting to boxing. Mm. So Maddie Forberg does a bit of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well. So you know, um, I think it's coming back into resistance training or maintaining re resistance training, but also knowing that physical activity and exercise and social, it's, it's 
you don't have to be feel stuck in one kind of place with your training it you can be quite dynamic and flexible with it mm. especially as personal trainers I don't know whether it's exacerbated because we're on the gym floor five days a week maybe you know mm. we are or we have been we've been spent a lot of hours on the gym floor so maybe it's different for us because we've got a greater exposure to it but I know it's a lot of people who've kind of been well trained or working in the fitness industry do feel like that so I know a lot of PTs were now doing CrossFit but again mm. if you look it's very social which we've just spent a year in lockdown let's be honest no one likes training from home that much I think if if we really loved training at home that much we'd have always done it um some people I respect the people who like their garage and, and they go out yeah. I had to say it like an American there because it doesn't sound good in a, a garage gym no a garage gym yeah, but um, doing, doing heat in your living room, I've seen a lot of people do that. And if you like it, it's great. But um, I think when we've been, we've been working online and we've been stuck indoors, I think we've been desperate to get into some kind of activity outside our four walls. I actually went to try to go for a sea swim at the weekend, but it was hella choppy, hella cold. I haven't even been outside in training in the elements much in the last five years. I've been pure inside training by the whole time. Jiu-jitsu in a cold morning was as cold as, I, uh, as I've as i been, and that's indoors. But uh, I, I am trying to do more stuff outdoors as well because that's, this, you mentioned one thing, the social aspect of these type of activities, like uh, we've mentioned, that's a big thing for me. But also I want to try and incorporate ones that, incorporate nature as well you know yeah yeah absolutely um i do want to do i'm looking at going into doing some wild swimming myself but i am going to wait until it gets warmer but you know even kayaking i used to love kayaking um and nature i think there's studies that showing it's quite good for de de-stressing it induces parasympathetic activity and relaxes you mm. so just being in nature and in, in any time I played any civilization building games, if you build plants inside the cities, everybody's happier. So it must be true. <laughs> it, that they get that information from somewhere. Let's be honest. So, yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. Well, boy, in case you're not sure, this is a pause to your regularly scheduled programming. I've got a sexy we giveaway for you, fuckers. Do you remember Megan McGuigan from Seeking Judy? She came on and did a podcast with me not so long ago. It was actually the last podcast episode I did before this one. I've got a 55-year-old voucher for her business, Seeking Judy, the streetwear brand. If you haven't seen them, go check it out. Uh, they've got some lovely fucking clobber in at the moment. I've got a whole load of pieces at home just wearing their sweatshirts nonstop. But I have a 55-year-old voucher for all you fuckers that listen to this podcast. And all you have to do to be with a chance of winning is go on to Apple Podcasts leave a rating five star please and an honest review and try and put as much detail into it as you can i want to make this podcast as good as it can be and your feedback is going to really help with that so get entering and look if you get a lend of your mate's phone and you enter a wee fucking feedback on his phone too i'm not going to complain so get entering and best of luck to all you sexy fucks let's return to the schedulely scheduled program one thing that you kind of I, I don't know if you mentioned it or kind of sparked it was sparked in my head going back to you know like historical 
diet culture sort of related things, you know, Lent is one thing that I, I don't know if we talked about it. Did we talk about it? We touched on it, yeah. We touched on it, yeah. It was an interesting one because Lent was, what, a couple of months ago? Yeah. Um, And at the moment, uh, what you call it, um, Ramadan, I think it's just finished today. It's the last day of Ramadan, I'm pretty sure. Um, I think there's two sides of the coin. There's obviously, you know, I think a lot of people are of the opinion that fasting can help you know, create some sort of mental um, clear, like it clears a little bit of mental fog, maybe, and it kind of gives you, it gives you more focus and more appreciation and gratitude for for the food that you get and the things that you maybe don't you take for granted more often than not. Um, and then there would be some people that would think fasting is a bad thing altogether. I think, as with everything, it's a there's a, always it depends. It dep- and uh, I was actually looking, I was actually, I was listening or reading something about this yesterday. So, you know, for some people, fasting is absolutely fine. For some people, fasting is a great way of eating. Uh, and it's maybe something they do naturally or subconsciously without sticking a label on it. But I think if you've kind of got any kind of history of an eating disorder or restrictive dieting or... <sighs> anything like that it may be quite triggering because fasting in some cases can lead to overconsumption. and with the the length variation then with the restriction of certain things i i'm almost thinking that nearly the restriction of certain things would nearly be harder for me than saying i'm going to fast till a certain time in the day i think i'd probably be a lot clearer on that yeah absolutely i could you know um i could fast easier than I could say I'm going to give up this and again with my my personal experiences of dieting and diet culture and eating disorders that would set me up for you know a huge fail so I don't exclude any foods from my diet and I would not be giving up chocolate for Lent because as soon as I don't even think I'd make it to the end of Lent actually I don't know if I've ever completed Lent. I'm I'm pretty yeah. sure in primary school we had to do something. It was always like, uh, oh, you have to give up something for Lent. Always chocolate for me. It was yeah. always chocolate. But again, and then you get some people who will do it because they're like, oh, this makes me this or blah, 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 blah. This is this. This is bad. So I'll give it up rather than for any other reason. It's because they want to actually combine weight loss with Lent which then again when they break that food rule massive overconsumption you think food rules in as a rule are harmful for most people or do you think it is just it depends I'd say definitely everybody who I work with um I wouldn't choose to for anyone to have a food rule and I mean this is kind of where you're thinking about the Dick Thomas kind of thinking of black and white this is good this is bad I can't have this it in research it does show that you will then end up either being totally preoccupied with it or over consume it so it's but then it's okay how do I how do I go from that one extreme to saying this is bad this I can't have it at all to then not 
over extremely eating it you know so that's, that's even a word but and it is a word now yeah and um it, i actually had recently so i used to be this person who would be like i can't have i can have chocolates but i'd have to walk to the shop and get it and i would go into the shop and get it every day but i thought i can't have it in the house can't have it in the house because i will eat it because it's, it's it's highly it's hyper palatable it tastes good and um I always thought I was out of control with it in the house because it's just all I'd want to eat. So anyway, I actually did an experiment myself. So I bought a load of chocolate, I kept it in the cupboards and I just kind of desensitised myself to it. And now my consumption's massively decreased. Well done. I don't know if I'd be able to do that. <laughs> and I know I would. That's that's the, that's the fetus talk. <laughs> well, it's... I, I'm out of control of chocolate. I'm going to eat it all if it's in the cupboard. I've said something that's not happened yet. Mm. And by saying it, you kind of become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So that's rather than restrict it, I wanted to expose myself to it. And, you know, some days at, at the beginning, you may eat a little bit more than usual. Um, and again, this isn't, one, this isn't, isn't something I'd give to someone who's straight out of diet culture straight away this isn't probably the first thing I'd work on with them but it's graded kind of exposure and desensitizing to these things and kind of changing our beliefs around food and how we feel about food and how we consume food and you know I I was a massive I can't have biscuits in the house I can't have this in the house now I've got it it's I mean I say that I have eaten like a whole bag of like these Marks and Spencer's honeycomb chocolate things today but that's that's just one day you know yesterday was different and tomorrow will be different but how I then respond to it is you know I I, I don't respond to it it's just is what it is and that allows me to move on and the next meal will be probably nutritious and it's just one of those things um, I think how we react to when we eat food massively then determines our next, you know, food choice or uh, potentially going into, you know, emotional eating, self-criticism, which is a negative, negative kind of cycle. I think you, you touched on a good point there with self-fulfilling uh, prophecies um, the stories we tell ourselves a lot of the time are the way we behave then it's based off those stories like I used to be I used to say that I I can't have I can't just go out and have three or four drinks you know yeah 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 yeah. so then I'd be I'd, the, 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 the most twisted of all the men whenever I I'd be out and yeah. I'd just be like I don't have control of it like um but I just be like well maybe try and go and have three or four pints a few times uh, or even go out and not drink just as to, like to expose yourself to knowing that you don't have to be you don't have to be Billy Big Bollocks and going and, and drinking all the drink. I was the exact same. So I used to be, in my early 20s, I was a real big binge drinker. And then I thought, I only drink to get, like, it sounds bad, it was a few years ago. I used to think, I only drink to get drunk. I can't have, there's no such thing as just having a few. I only drink to get hammered. And now I'm in a place where I could have, I could go out socially and have a couple of drinks and, you know, get a little bit fuzzy and a bit, and then that would be me for the night. I don't need to get kind of obliterated or I don't believe that drinking leads to being absolutely smashed anymore. Um, 
and again yeah it's the thought processes we have and it's it's really complex topic areas and it's quite hard to navigate by yourself i guess um and it, it, as a coach is that part of what you do is try and help people navigate these sort of sort of scenarios maybe not those ones specifically but going through the beliefs and yeah and yeah yeah so again um it, it's breaking down we were exposed to so many conversations on a daily basis friends colleagues family about whether it's back pain dieting exercise and there's so much misinformation that's not even necessarily coming from the fitness industry it might even be people's parents so it's not trying to it's, you've got to kind of approach it carefully because you don't want to obviously say, well, that's wrong, but it's how can we, how can I guide you into seeing what you probably already know? That's, that's a lot of what I do. Mm. A lot of, a lot of open-ended questions. I, I, I think people, people do mean, mean well with, giving it like you know small bits of information here or there whenever somebody says something oh this yeah. helped this helped my uncle so it might help you and I think it it, it it is something that I've had to get used to again because when I was in London I wouldn't have had communication with as many people as I would in here like I would have my colleagues who are all in a similar field as me so they wouldn't have that like you know they wouldn't be giving each other misinformation about, about stuff because it'd be more science-based so like right I'm not going to say it into any of these smart uh, people who are like don't even know their shit because they'd call me out in it um, but yeah when they got home like that like it was happening major but like people are saying oh my back's on and like oh you should go to this this such and such you put needles in your back and you'd be grand <laughs> And like, I mean, like, it, there's a possibility. It might be grand. It could be grand afterwards. But maybe, maybe have a little think about the methods that you're gonna go go towards. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And it's it's doing that. So say like, say you've got your client who goes to someone who's a does these therapeutic methods. And they like them, they get along with them, they've got a good rapport, they've got a good relationship with that person providing this treatment. You can't go in and say that you know they're mugging you off. They they're doing this, this, is this, and you know, you can't you don't want to attack that what they're doing either, because they're gonna be confronted with that and not take that too kindly from their own personal perspective, as well as that of their relationship with their therapeutic practitioner mm. and it, it, it's a hard it is a hard one to navigate and i think that's why it's so important for this the people from different disciplines to have good good uh, relationships i think yeah an inter- interdisciplinary team is definitely something that i want to get i want to create maybe in the local area because i think it's something that is so lacking is cooperation between different practitioners, whether it's somebody who's working on an injury basis, whether it's a physio, osteopath, whatever, yeah. um, PTs, nutritionists, psychologists, because going back to biopsychosocial model, you know, like, especially if somebody's injured, if you have a few different avenues to go, go towards, maybe somebody wants to lose weight as well as managing injury, it can be so important to have people from different areas. Um, yeah. Although sometimes, like as as a PT, you see a lot of people trying to be a little bit of everything in that in that sense. But that, yeah, they know they know little about everything, mm. unfortunately. So uh, yeah, 
um you, you get i think that's it's really a, a rabbit hole we can kind of go into as personal trainers is thinking that we need to know this we need to know that we need, and then we end up giving a lot of misinformation about a lot of different topics and you know I, I've done it before in the past whether it's you know broaching to the topic of back pain without knowing about the biopsychosocial model or you know whether it's nutrition or whether it's like I said these food beliefs that oh, okay you know maybe you shouldn't have chocolate in the house when actually maybe they should so yeah it's just an interesting one mm. but into into disciplinary teams yes yeah it's so important and you know communication between not only you and your client but you and these other providers is so so important have you um before you're a pt have you ever had to have a back and forth you know a client and physio that sort of thing you know that you can't do this and can't do that have you ever had to navigate any of those I, I never had to communicate with one, mm. but um, I had someone coming in who's seeing a Cairo and an acupuncturist, and it was this is your psoas, uh, it's your psoas, this is weak. Um, this, no, no, this is, and someone actually said that they palpated my client's psoas, which basically you'd have to go through the stomach, like there's no way that you're sticking a needle in there. Um, back pain and again this is rotated this is out of alignment this is out of place and I just sit there and I just want to smack my forehead because <laughs> um, how how do I then say well actually if your hips were rotated I'm pretty sure they'd they wouldn't look like how they're doing now <laughs> and if, if you if you got kind of stabbed with a needle in the psoas you probably need some surgery um yeah I think people People like this. The people who don't know uh, about the body enough like to think that this whole idea of perfect alignment is like something you should be aiming towards. Um, even side to side, you know, strength. Uh, it, yeah. ne it never ceases to amaze me. I'd love to count. I if I had if I had a dollar for every time a client or somebody in a class said to me, "Oh, my right's so much stronger than my left." Like, is that normal? Yes. I I, I would be a very rich man. Yeah. Or what's another good one you get? Oh, I need to oh, could we do some exercise to improve my posture? Your static posture, because posture isn't static, it's dynamic. And why do you need to change it? Because your body has adapted to that posture and it's fine. Maybe you just need to move. <laughs> but you know, trying to fix anterior tilts and fix slouch shoulders like we need to you know and this person doesn't even really want that they just want to feel good about themselves and be healthy so why do we need to give them 10 sets of prone y's t's and i's you know is it really necessary i had to do um some similar related stuff not 10 sets but a couple of sets of them not with bands but with uh with dumbbells and i forgot how I saw those exercises can be, you know. I actually do really like the prone Y's, T's and I's. Very nice. <laughs> but um, it's all the Y, but yeah, they, they burn, 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 burn. And um, with something I've seen you post about was, it was related to basing yourself first on how you look. Um, why would that, if you if you're speaking to somebody who doesn't doesn't know anything about the area, why is it not a good thing? 
it actually has very kind of low pos- positive outcomes really it's not that beneficial long term it's a poor motivator it you know it's not necessarily good for how you feel we're not making food choices or lifestyle choices for to make us feel good it's simply to make us look good which again if that's not a poor motivate if that's a poor motivator it's not going to do us very well long term and when we see dieting studies you know we know that weight loss maintenance is extremely hard so if you're only relying on your body to keep you going long term how it looks it's just not great and um again this can lead to disordered eating or eating disorders so it's just think focusing on how we feel and taking the focus off how we look is a much better avenue to go down if you're looking at doing something long term for health and exercise like yeah by all means there's there'll be times during the year where you know you may want to feel that you want to lose a bit of weight and that's fine weight loss isn't the problem but it's how we go about it and how we think about it which is the problem mm. how do you think about it 100 and things you, you could be basing yourself worth on that would be a wee bit better maybe how how you treat other people like uh you know um maybe if you have if you have a, a something that you well maybe not basing all yourself worth in, on one area is never a good thing but maybe a combination of things if you have a job or a hobby that you're really passionate about can be really a big thing, you know, basing yourself for and, and looking after your family, you know, things like that. Being being the father of loads of dogs or cats or whatever. Do you base yourself for it on, on being a, a dog and cat mom? So I've actually been doing a little dig into this myself and I'd probably say my self-esteem. So I was reading, I was again listening to something on self-esteem and yeah, when we tie it only in how we look, it's very, very kind of, not great for health it can lead to binge eating disorder this is the specific podcast was on lower body satisfaction preoccupation with food where i tie in myself sense of self-esteem is mostly i'd say it's on my job my degree and probably how i treat people um i do like the way i am with people i kind of do like my personality i do like my kindness how much you know um there are things that I tie my sense of self-esteem in with, you know, how I am with animals, even when my dog is being a naughty boy. <laughs> um, that's how I'd sense myself a sense of self-esteem and how I look is just doesn't really come into that. You know, like I like to present myself nicely. I like to take care of myself. I like to go to the gym, you know, but aesthetics aren't a very high motivator for me, whether it's in training or for my sense of self-worth and kind of coming off that slightly with well still in the same area uh one thing i've been doing a lot of polls and asking people questions on is you know self-compassion self-compassion and having empathy for yourself and you speak about it as well a lot of people i get an impression that they see that as a weakness you know having self-compassion that they're looking at is like they're coddling or appeasing themselves this is the thing and I feel like whether it's self-compassion or intuitive eating people kind of jump to the conclusion that it's just giving yourself a free ride or a free pass to do whatever the hell we want and you know it, it both of those things that the complete opposite it's 
it's being kind to yourself it's but it's not taking away responsibility or accountability it's acknowledging you know your personal struggles and not being not being Mm. awful to yourself about them because it's not going to make the outcome any more likely to happen yeah and um people think it's oh you know it's like you know self-compassion might even be going to the gym on a day where you really don't want to but you know that you need to give yourself that time for yourself that's a giving yourself more time in the day to do an activity you usually enjoy how is that not self-compassion or you know you you say like if with my honeycomb chocolate things that I ate today like I've just moved on from it. it's not even a, it's gone over my head but for some people that may be quite traumatizing or really upsetting and that they're beating themselves up over something they've put in their mouth mm. how would self-compassion not be the better solution versus kind of self-berating what's going to be more beneficial self-berating or you know beating yourself up over food choices is often going to lead to poorer food choices but self-compassion is likely to have the opposite effect um i'm going to throw a a hypothesis because i don't know if there's any research on it and it's probably like most people would probably agree but most it's it seemed to be mostly men that were of the opinion that like you know self-compassion maybe would not be uh, a good thing that would be coddling and I think it kind of goes back to the whole man up thing you know uh, you know just being tough just being yeah. rugged stone men so I was actually reading up something on um, kind of what was it men and their well-being men and emotions and this kind of toxic, I don't want to use the word as a statement, but you know, like toxic max masculinity, inverted commas, um, often hurts men the most. And it's kind of not showing emotion, not crying, having poor coping mechanisms, such as, you know, going to the pub for stress release versus talking to your friend properly or, you know, confiding in someone or acknowledging how you feel. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's not to make a blanket statement because I, don't make blanket statements but you can see that quite a lot in the male population um obviously male suicides really really high so something's got to change there it's absolutely got to change i think in in, in and even in a less severe way things like you know eating habits you know a lot like there's like a stereotypical like uh, let's say Bill or somebody who dri- uh, drives a, a lorry and, and my dad drives lorries and so I, ha- I have one sample size one for my sample size <laughs> uh, where they wouldn't really care about what they eat because it's just like whatever you know thing I, I would even say that's maybe a branch of a same, similar tree with maybe a lack of self-compassion you maybe don't care that much about yourself yeah. that you could you're just not going to eat you, you just eat whatever because it doesn't really matter yeah but yeah definitely and again I think um I think when you look at men suffering with body image and all these things you know this it's it's just as bad you know look at Zac Efron recently Zac Efron did he cry or something when he ate he, he ate pasta for the first time because he'd been on a no carb diet for all these years oh I heard something about that in some this film that it, I didn't even bother watching as soon as I heard that I was he's been like... ripped across the board for not looking 
how he did when he was in his early 20s. And I mean, I imagine he's what, mid 30s now? Um, he, he's being called that he's got a dad bod because he's not absolutely shredded. Four years ago, he did a film with The Rock and he was one of the, like, he just was absolutely jacked and shredded. And, and I was like, that's, that's crazy. So even if he got to that any stage in his life, I'm like, you leave that man alone. Let him have whatever body he wants. Leave Zach, like, just everybody, yeah, leave Zach alone. He's a good chap. Might actually watch High School Musical tonight. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, I had mentioned something about I was going to bring up manual therapy for injury, kind of touched on it a little, a little bit. Uh, you mentioned that you would prefer, you know, maybe more movement-based, um, movement-based approach. Um, but... Branching away from that, something a little bit less fitnessy. I know that you have numerous tattoos. I have been wanting to get a tattoo for a long while. I have a stupid tattoo uh, uh, that I got on a holiday, lads' holiday, typical one. But um, a stupid one. I have two questions. Well, three questions around your tattoos. Um, yes. First one: What was the most painful? Or what? Where was the most painful area to get tattooed? So I had my um, sternum done. I had it done for the first time in 2017. It was the most painful experience of it. I can't even begin to explain the pain. <laughs> and then I didn't get it finished. So I just left it. So I messaged my new tattooist. I think this must have been 2020. And, you know, I'm like I'm bricking it because it was the worst. But I couldn't even, like, the whole time was just awful. So I messaged my tattooist in 2021 or 2020, whatever it was. No, 2000, I don't know, in the last three years. And I said, I need to get my sternum finished and extended. So it just basically needed shading. And I wanted to it bring it out a little bit to the sides. And he told me he had to do the line work all over mm. again. So I had to have the whole thing done from the beginning, then shaded, then extended. And I I sit relatively well for tattoos, but this is just next level, the worst imaginable pain I could even begin to explain. And I can't imagine it was a short tattoo. It was hours, and because you know you're breathing, your rib cage is right there, and it's oh, it's just got really thin skin. And I'm here being grateful for my ability to breathe right now. (laughs) I imagine how uh, tough that was. So, note no sternum tattoos. Oh, just just no, never. What was the most meaningful tattoo? One of me and my cat. <laughs> that is sick. Give us a wee look again. Right. To, yeah, this was pre-lockdown, so this one needs a bit of rework. Ah, that's brilliant. Um, no, was it that one? Maybe. Um, yeah, I'd say that one. And how do you know when you find the right idea for a tattoo? You just, you just go for it. Are you like, you see, and just go for it. I've actually, so a lot of my tattoos are kind of reworks. So I used to, in my early 20s, late teens, early 20s, I got some really awful ones done. So what I've, rather than choosing new designs, we've actually been doing a lot of cover-ups. 
So this is a cover up. My entire back got covered up. Um, so that's why I've got a lot, lot of mandala as well. Mm, I like the mandala. They're nice. Yeah, I like the mandala. I'd say that it was a, it was obviously less painful than the sternum, but that was a long piece of work in the back as well, was it? So I actually, yeah, I've had, I reckon, I don't even know how many hours I've had because my whole back before I had the cover up done was done bamboo. So my Ganesh was. Man, you like, you, you like that pain. <laughs> 10, 10, 10 days of 10 hours. And then I had all these other ones done bamboo. Uh, and then the ones at the top of kept the Ganesh, but they were all covered. And then the back just took hours, just took hours. I had to get the sides done. I had to get the top done, and it just took hours. But I like it. Makes me look. It makes me look like a bad girl. So I just need a motorbike and some leathers now. Well, the uh, you're a bad girl on the inside, bad girl on the outside. Now get the bike to match. That's that's what I need. That's what, honestly what I need. I feel like it's a look I want to go for. Now I do jujitsu. I can mm. triangle people and armbar. So yeah. But actually, really, all I do is spend sit sit inside with my cats, reading books. And <laughs> <eating> <laughs> you're you're a catfish for a bad girl, basically. Mm. Oh well, with a I, that, that's helpful. I'm gonna start asking people anybody I have on who has tattoos about their tattoos because the more I talk about it, the more likely I am gonna get just gonna get it. it. Just gotta do it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna um. I'm going to finish off with a few kind of statements. So I'm going to say hashtag blah, blah, blah. You're going to respond to them whatever way you see fit. You know, go on a rant. Uh, give me your opinion. Okay. Tell a story, whatever. Okay, so the first one is hashtag booty burning band workout. Get in the bin. <laughs> Stick it in the bin. Why? Over, over. Like I would, I would use a band or a hip circle for to maybe train something like a movement I wanted to achieve. But when you're trying to, and you know what really annoys me when you see people like doing really awful squats with the bands on, and it's like you be getting such better range without the band on that that really annoys me um and i just think they're overused and you, you can't progressively overload them you're not going to build glutes just with bands like yeah newbie gains at the beginning okay i'll give you that but long term they're, they're, they're not going to do anything and the people that are selling you those programs probably did weight training to get that booty they're, they're in the gym hip thrusting squatting to depth doing you know, rear foot split squats, split squats, Romanian deadlifts. That's what's growing. But if they come out with a barbell line, the girls wouldn't be buying it, so they'd have to come out with a resistance band line. And they've been training for years. Mm. And like, I've got a big bum, I can, but I can make it look significantly bigger just by how I stand. 100%. That's the, the posing in pictures makes a big deal. It, it, and it's just, you know, it... They just need to be a bit more upfront and honest, and you know, um, and a new beginner would. The, the, there's so many different exercises you could give them to grow their glutes that don't involve bands. And I think that 
that uh, view of weight still not be uh, like our oh, weight isn't a thing for uh, women. I think those people who still think that really get caught in by the likes of those banded workouts because it's not weights. Yeah, or like when you do these like circuits with weights or circuits with booty bands, it's a it's a way of kind of toning because toning or two kg put a two kg dumbbell on, on your on your leg and do some side raises. I hate the words like tone. It's just the it's just the worst. <laughs> um, hashtag it was all a dream. Oh, biggie. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. kind of expecting you to actually follow on the lyrics there, but <laughs> I was going to, but um, my 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 um, rapping voice. I, I don't think the world's ready for it. Oh, why? What's up with this rapping voice? Not great. <laughs> what do you mean, not great? Like it's just a spoken word. Yeah, but you've got you've got to kind of sound like Biggie. I don't think don't think any, maybe when I've got my motorbike. I'll, I'll do a rap podcast. Right, I want to. I want to actually see a, a video of you on a bike doing a rap, like a music video. Oh, that would that would be that is coming. <laughs> the mixtape twenty twenty two. Yeah. Uh, hashtag beasted. I don't like it. What is beasted like for somebody who doesn't? Beasted is when you've got these boot camps or you've got these trainers who are just absolutely blasting their clients through no range of promotion, through no real exercise program, through nothing progressive or beneficial. And so, you know, the, okay, I've had a beast of my client, great. And then the client comes for like twice a week for four weeks and then never wants to set foot in the gym again or they end up too exhausted to even be able to sit and have a conversation with the family in the evening. And they've not really done anything beneficial. Mm. Sweat, more sweat and more soreness does not equate. So <laughs> no regulation work. doesn't mean you're training efficiently, unfortunately. It means that you're good at getting sweat out of your body and maintaining body temp. Literally. <laughs> Um, hashtag revenge bedtime procrastination it's all of us isn't it oh you said that so sinister sinisterly yeah revenge bedtime procrastination that's a great one so that's again tied into emotional regulation and uh, I think it's kind of FOMO really isn't it fear Mm. of missing out but all you're doing is lying in bed watching TikTok videos or catching up on social media and or watching a TV series and yeah, you know. Um, I it's for me it's playing NBA two K twenty one man. It's, it's just playing online. It's so addictive. It's it, bla- it's it's the PlayStation. It's not me. I swear. <laughs> for me, it's probably Instagram or you know, PubMed or something. PubMed. I <laughs> I would say out of all things that you could be over consuming PubMed is probably up there one of the ones that would probably be more okay with for anybody who doesn't know PubMed is where you can read research uh, articles and journal articles um, I haven't spending as much time there as, as I'd like but 
Um, I'm going to follow your lead and make it my number one viewed. Uh, I always read it in website. bed. I always read like one study in bed, and then I'm like, oh, blue light. Oh well, yeah. But have you read the research on blue light? Is it is it a myth or what's the story? Well, that's the thing. Uh, I well, see... blue light glass glasses is probably the better way. There is that a myth more? Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're definitely, they're definitely a myth. Um, and I think all these studies are kind of done on elite athlete populations, the ones that I've read anyway. And it, it, it's fine due tuning, you know, really, can you say that blue light is what's keeping the general population up? Or is it, again, this revenge bedtime procrastination or lack of time management or stress? you know, is, is it going to be the blue light or is it likely to be something else in the gen pop? Or lack of purpose, you know, lack of meaning, if we're going to get in a deep philosophical side of things. That is very deep, but yeah, basically. Um, that's all the hashtags I have. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with a quote from a message that you sent to me when we were chatting back and forward. You really look Nordic. Kind of like you want to invade England and Blood Eagle, my enemies, kind of vibe. <laughs> you do? Oh, I think I am just going to um, assume my position as a member of Viking. I'm going to add Viking to my bio after this. I really do feel like you should. See, the thing is, since I started Jiu-Jitsu, I always thought I was a shield maiden, mm. but I'm not really an attacker. I'm more of a defender. So I don't think I am a shield maiden because they are savage. So this is kind of giving me a bit of a crisis now. I'm like, where do I belong in the <laughs> kind of Nordic family? So I don't know. Did they have anybody who's good at uh, open guard or spider guard? No. <laughs> I'm just like, come on, I've got a real savage takedown though. So you never know. There might be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I go for an arm drag and then drop to my knees and bam them over. So How I'm long have you been doing this? Not long, like five weeks. You're already ahead of me. I can't do that. <laughs> oh yeah, you go. You grab them by the wrist, back of the triceps. They think they're gonna they they counter it because they think you're gonna arm drag them, and then you go drop to the knee and take them out by the feet. You know, like put the yeah. So that's my favorite at the minute. So maybe maybe I will be a shield maiden in like a year. Maybe so, maybe so. Um, speaking of Vikings, any life lessons from Vikings that you would like to impart into the world and you've learned from your time of watching it? <laughs> wow, that is a question. That is a question. Trust I... no one, maybe. <laughs> Trust no one. Yeah, that's Trust fair. no one. Just, just fight and hope for the best. Just keep going. Keep her lit. Keep our left. Uh, that was that's uh, an hour and a bit. Well, uh, quickly gone. That was a very enjoyable right. episode. Um, thank you for coming on board to do it. Where would be the best for people to maybe get in touch with you if they wanted to take you on as uh, get in touch with you about online coaching or in person coaching? Um, so just literally on my Instagram handle. So that's Hannah Murphy fitness at instagram that's very simple isn't it i'm so simple yeah i don't (laughs) don't feel like anyone uses email these days it's all just 
socials, isn't it? We're very... I rarely get an email. I never get emails unless it's like, hey, I've seen your profile. We'd like you to be an ambassador. Just sign this link and give me your soul. <laughs> Is there anything exciting coming up in the woodworks for yourself? I've seen you started working with Train Primal. Are doing some... Yeah, so I'm working with Train Primal as well at the minute. Um, we're actually doing some work with um, some weird... Uh, some not weird company we're doing some genetic looking at doing some genetic Ooh. studies at the minute yeah so bill he's kind of sorting that out which is really interesting um but yeah that's for online coaching and there's a few other coaches as well there interesting interesting well go check all right guys uh, and thank you for listening what a doozy i hope he's took some gold away from that Every time that beat drops, man. Oh, shivers. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that chat. I hope you took a good bit away from it. And make sure you go and enter that mid-podcast giveaway. If you missed it somehow, go back and fucking listen to me talk about it. It's about 30-ish minutes into the podcast. And best of luck to all you that entered it. I've got something else. Lovely and free. We love the free stuff, don't we? I've got one week free online coaching, one week membership to the Higher Training Members Program. Now, if you don't know what the Higher Training Members Program is, it's a monthly membership program where you sign up, you get a training program up to five days training per week. You get entry into a Facebook group where we post loads of members only content. We dig into nutrition, dig into training, dig into life hacks, a little bit more than we do on Instagram. Um, we do live Zoom webinars about particular subjects. Like sometimes we even get guests on our webinars. And for example, we got the Health Hunt who joined me for a podcast. She was one of the first podcast guests I had on. She came on board with my GAA program and she did a little talk about nutrition, carb loading, pre-game nutrition, post-training nutrition, all of that jazz. So you get a lot of value for money, and especially seeing as you don't have to pay for it. Hopefully in that week that you come aboard that you get to hop on a little webinar and experience what that's like. But along with that, we have a WhatsApp group for support. We post daily reminders, tips, recipes, and keep you in the loop with all of the jobs that we have going on. But if that sounds like something you want to do, go on to Instagram, direct message me, higher training members program, you lad yeah, and I will get you set up. All you need to do is send me across your email, your Facebook page, your number, and I'll get you set up to start the following Monday. Okay? You have a wonderful fucking day. Thank you for listening.